0: Pastors, Larry and Tears welcome you to another New Beginnings Church podcast. Go deeper into God's Word with practical messages and lifestyle studies that will equip, inspire, and encourage you in your relationship with Jesus. Get ready to be fit for life. But uh, since we gather on Sunday, we want to uh, minister on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Amen. And uh, uh, we've covered many themes through the years on the secrets, the background, the ABCs of Yom Kippur. Uh, One thing that we haven't touched on a great deal in Torah study, and we're going to dig into this a little bit today, is Yom Kippur and the spirit of repentance. Amen. Yom Kippur is a time of atonement, atonement at onement, where sins are forgiven, curses are broken, and God brings us back to Him, uh, and we're at one with Him, and that's a good feeling. Can you say Amen? Uh, and so uh, through. Gosh, almost 3,500 years ago was the first Yom Kippur. And from that very first Yom Kippur, uh, when Moses came back with uh, the second set of tablets... Israel had sinned. They committed a grievous sin of the golden calf. And yet, uh, God in His mercy and grace and through Moses' intercession and because of repentance, God renewed the covenant. And it was symbolized by giving the second set of tablets. And when Moses came back after 40 days... Of being on Mount Sinai, he came back, and that those tablets said, "The covenant is reestablished. Whatever was broken is now fixed, and uh, we are now at one. The day of atonement, the day of atonement, and we're going to go forward into our destiny with a clean slate. And that's what God is doing at this appointed time. How many of you are thankful that you have a clean slate?" with the Lord. Amen. So it's a time of miracle breakthrough, miracle blessing, because everything's reconciled between us and God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, uh, one of the things that we do at New Beginnings, it's important we uh, get into the spirit and the flow of this, is that Yom Kippur is one of the seven major feasts of the Lord. God says in Leviticus 23, these are my feasts. Okay, so yes, they're Jewish feasts. They're Bible holidays. And because we've been grafted in, we can partake not only in many of the wonderful customs and rituals, but the main thing is, what's the revelation? What is God saying at this appointed time? And how can that revelation help me uh, transform my life so that I become more like Jesus? Who wants to become more like Jesus? I see all those hands. And so the feasts are God's appointed times. And God said these are specific times when I want to do some unique and special things. We all understand that God is God 24-7 and yet God says I've ordained specific times on my calendar to meet with you with a divine appointment so that we can work some things out. Amen? Amen? And what he's working out today is a flow of amazing grace. How sweet the sound. He's working out unlimited mercy. His mercy is fresh every day, but especially on Yom Kippur. And that all leads us into forgiveness, right? How many of you are thankful today that through the power of the blood, every sin is forgiven and it's washed away? Come on, come on. And so Rosh Hashanah last week uh, began uh, one of the several new years that God established in the Bible. And uh, so we go into the new year, and uh, all the sins are erased. All right. And every weight that comes with sin, every burden, all the issues that come with sin, all of that now is to be washed away. Amen. So that we can go into this uh new year uh uh, uh and really feel like, you know what? I've got a new ch- I'm starting a new chapter in my life. This is the first day of the rest of my life and God is orchestrating it all. Who likes the sounds of that? Say amen. So one of the many scriptures that God gave uh about this Uh, special time Yom Kippur but it really began at Rosh Hashanah it's the high holidays it's called the 10 days of awe and you could actually back up and go into the month of Elul for 30 days the blowing of the shofar it continues through the 10 days of awe these 40 days are the appointed time but it culminates Uh, on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And one of the scriptures is from Isaiah 55, 6. And if you have your Bible, open it up, put a little mark or circle the the verse there so you know you have already been that way when you go back to it later. Uh, In the complete Jewish Bible, Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek Adonai while he may be found. All right call on him while he is near so what is that talking about Uh, You know, because if God's 24-7, can that happen at at any time? Yes. And yet there are still these appointed times where God is specifically saying, I will be there for you, and I will do something in your life that will help you transform yourself uh, into a better version of yourself. Ancient wisdom teaches that when we seek Adonai, while he may be found, call on him while he is near, uh, is especially true during Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, the day of atonement. Amen. How many of you are walking by faith, not by sight? How many of you have a devotion and a loyalty towards the things of God, towards the Lord himself? Amen. Amen. How many of you think it's important to obey the Word of God? Well, when you do all of his promises will be yes and amen. Not a bad deal, is it <laughs> uh, but we so we know god 's a gracious father it 's his desire to give us the kingdom. He desires that we prosper and be in health. Even as our soul prospers, or as much, you could say, as much as our soul prospers. And so that's why you got up early today to be here early before the main service. The early bird gets the Word. The early bird gets more of the revelation. And the early bird, the one that's going after it, seeking the Lord. Amen? and calling on the Lord and learning these things, your soul is going to prosper more than those that don't. And so you're kind of setting the bar for how far you want to go with God. Right? And uh, you wouldn't be here if you didn't want to go as far as God will take me. God, I'm ready to go. Amen? Amen. So I'm preaching to the choir. But a lot of it, what we're saying, it depends on us. Seek Adonai while he may be found. That's not God's job to seek. That's your job. That's my job to seek. God's job isn't to call on you. Your job is to call on God. Sometimes Christians don't like to hear you got a job to do. Because, well, they told me there's nothing I have to do. Don't believe that. Unless you're dying at 12 o'clock today and going home in a pumpkin, you got work to do. And so a lot of what happens in our lives, yeah, obviously it depends on God, but it depends on you and I partnering with God, especially during Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. So are we listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit? To the Word of the living God. Shema new beginnings. (laughs) Listen up. Listen intently. Listen with the idea that I'm going to not only be a hearer, but a doer. Are we learning to rightly divide the Word of truth? Right? When you learn to rightly divide the Word of truth, you're gaining knowledge. Amen. Who likes the idea of gaining knowledge? Who likes the idea of being stupid? (laughs) When you became a Christian, God didn't say, check your brains at the door. No, He gave you the ability to use your soul. And develop a prosper, where you're thinking intelligently about how do I apply the things of God. Which is uh, what wisdom is. Knowledge is only potential power. Uh, I preached my first sermon back in 1984 in downtown Seattle at the Union Gospel Mission. And there were uh, a lot of people in that uh, Union Gospel mission that knew more Scripture than I did. I had just gotten saved, and now I'm preaching the Word. I didn't know a lot of Scripture. They knew more than me. But it's not knowing the Scripture, it's knowing how to and then applying the Scripture. It's like we always joke when I enrolled into Bible college uh, in 1984. Uh, Reinhard Bonke, the late great evangelist, came, and many of you have heard me say this. He, he, and I've always remember. He said, "The gospel is like soap; it only works when it's applied." So, are we applying what we're learning? That's turning knowledge into wisdom. So, right now, during this appointed time. We're, our prayer, our heartfelt desire is, God, to help me to transform my life. Help me to go to a new level in God so that I can fulfill a greater part of my destiny. Amen. Who's ready to go from faith to faith and glory to glory, elevating yourself higher and higher up the spiritual ladder of success? I know I am. If you are, give the Lord a big praise and a big shout. Let's go together. Amen. So concerning Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur, and the entire ten days of awe, God says, seek me while I can be found. Call on me while I am near. Again, that's Isaiah 55, 6. And, you know, a lot of times we'll just stop right there. But if you go to verse 7, the next verse, God uh, uh, describes a little bit more about what that means. And he says in verse 7, Let the wicked forsake his way. Okay, so now we're starting to uh, get down to the real nitty gritty. All right, I love the Lord. Well, then let forsake the, uh, your wicked ways. Amen. Amen. And uh, the unrighteous one, his thoughts. Let the unrighteous one forsake his unrighteous thoughts. So now we're getting down to how you think. And during Yom Kippur, God releases uh, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power that's embedded in this special season, so we can forsake those things that keep vexing us and holding us back. And that gets all the way down to how we think about things. If a man thinks he can or if a man thinks he can't, he's right. As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So let the wicked forsake his ways, the unrighteous, his thoughts. Let him return to Adonai. There's that uh, spirit of repentance. Return, teshuvah. Let him return to Adonai so he may have compassion on him. Everybody loves to receive the compassion of the Lord. But look how it's proceeded. Right? That there is a spirit of repentance that needs to be happening in the life of a believer. Just because we went to the altar and pledged our allegiance to the Lamb doesn't mean everything's been worked out. Maybe theoretically it's been worked out, but every day in our lives there's something else that we need to be working on because God is calling us not just to be believers, but to be disciples. There's a difference. And this is one of the keys in Yom Kippur. This is what leads to a miracle breakthrough. It's a a miracle transformation that is founded on a concept of teshuvah, return to me, and then I'll show my compassion to you, amen? Uh, Pastor James said it this way, draw near to God, and God will draw near to you, so it's our move. And especially during uh, these 40 days of Elul, Rosh Hashanah, and now, beginning Wednesday night, Yom Kippur. And so, Teshuvah is the Hebrew word for return. And it, it also means repentance. And God is showing us that seeking the Lord, calling on the Lord, includes repenting before the Lord. All right, who who has a pool in their backyard? Anybody have a pool in their backyard? A couple we do. Uh, whenever we get into the pool, I notice one thing: we're not walking across the water. <laughs> we sink right to the bottom, right. <laughs> So, look, no one's walking on water. That's the point. And no one is going to walk on water unless God does a supernatural miracle and uh, saves your life uh, miraculously in a unique instance. But at the end of the day, our redemption isn't complete until the last trump sounds and we're raptured and then it's all settled. Until then, there needs to be some changes that go on. Some forsaking of the way we think, of what we're doing, our attitude, our behavior, our conduct, all needs to be thought of during this time. This is what uh, is embedded in this uh, feast of the Lord, is this spirit of repentance, this spirit of teshuvah, this spirit of change. And when we approach God in that mindset, all of a sudden, boom, The floodgates open, and God's mercy, God's grace, God's compassion comes in, and all of a sudden, we we are changing. Oh my gosh, thank you for your presence, Lord. Did, Did you know that the Hebrew word for prayer comes from a root word that means to judge? Think about that for a moment. When we pray, more than now I lay me, More than rub-a-dub-dub, let's get to the grub. (laughs) It's okay to start there, but my gosh, if we've been in the way for any length of time, hopefully our prayer life is evolving and growing. Amen? Do we have any prayer warriors in the house? How many of you prayer warriors know you need a little more than rub-a-dub-dub, or you need a little more than now-I-lay-me style prayers to get a breakthrough? Teach us how to pray, Lord. And uh, the root word is to judge. So prayer isn't just uh, uh, for gimme, 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 my name is Jimmy. It's not just asking for things, although you should ask for things. And God wants to give the things uh, that you're asking for. But you can't exclude the idea that it's a time when we come before the Lord that we're judging ourselves. Amen? We're partnering with God to search our heart and examine ourselves. Is there anything in me, Lord, that's displeasing to you that might be blocking my blessing? Here, we're blaming it on the devil. It wasn't the devil after all. There was something lodged in someone's spirit in their thoughts that's leading to bad actions, bad behavior, and that blocks the blessing. Don't be in denial. Amen. Amen. You know, don't sweep it under the rug. It's still there. Amen. You know, God wants us to live up to his standards. That's a full-time job. <laughs> right? And we are going to make mistakes. We are going to miss the mark. But our attitude is we'll recognize that and then we'll realize, oh man, did I blow it in my family? Did I blow it at work? Did I do this? Did I do that? Father, forgive me. I didn't know what I was... I lost my mind. And why do we do that? Because we want to get better. Right? And God wants you to want to get better. Hey, look, this is all part of the gospel, folks. I read a famous preacher on his uh, social media uh, 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 a while back. It's been maybe six, eight months. He said, we don't need to preach repentance anymore. And I'm thinking, even if you meant that you know, in a good way, it comes across really bad. <laughs> That's me. We don't need to help people and challenge people and let the Holy Spirit convict people to change their behavior, to modify some things in their life. You know, nowadays people say, well, it's just the way I am. I was born that way. Right? The LBGTQRSTUVWX+. I was born that way. Newsflash. Breaking Christian news. That's why you must be born again. It's the Gospel, folks. So when we pray, we're praying not necessarily every time, but there's got to be times, and especially during this time, the shofar is sounding, that we Judge ourselves. And if there be anything that we know, the Holy Spirit's told, oh man, Scott, you got to improve that attitude when you're reacting in a negative way. Ain't good. Let's get it worked out. Repentance is the answer. Repentance, teshuvah, also means to restore, refresh, and repair. What's wrong with that? (laughs) what's wrong with saying, God, I'm sorry I missed the mark. Restore me, refresh me, repair me, so I'm more pleasing. I'm walking worthy of the calling of Christ that's on my life. Amen. Amen. Anyone disagree with that? Take it up with God. (laughs) Amen. Psalm 51. You've read Psalm 51, perhaps. Psalm 51 was written by King David when he committed the sins with Bathsheba. There was a whole lot going on there. And then God sent the prophet Nathan, and Nathan challenged uh, David, and David suddenly came to his senses and realized, what have I done? And he wrote Psalm 51 as a result of that. And uh, we can't read it all, but let me read a a chunk of it. If you have it in your Bible, follow along. Uh, Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins wash me clean from my guilt purify me from my sin for I recognize my rebellion and it haunts me day and night against you and you alone have I sinned I have done what is evil in your sight man he's pouring his heart out to God This is a sincere man that's doing business with God and realizing if I want to lose it all, I'm going to keep on doing what I've been doing or I can heed the words of the prophet Nathan and get this thing worked out and he chose wisely and he wrote Psalm 51 and in verse 7 he said, purify me from my sins and I will be clean." Wash me, and I'll be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me, now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from Your presence, and do not take Your Holy Spirit from me. And then it goes on and speaks about the the blessing of restoration and how David uh, was, he's basically showing us in Psalm 51 a process of teshuvah. Amen? And when you realize that he's a man after God's own heart, the Bible says, it's a pretty good template, a pretty good pattern that all of us in our own way can follow. Now, not everybody is at the same level and not everybody has faced the same things and made the same mistakes, but we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so at this time, uh, during the high holidays, repentance is one of the key themes. And so let's use this divine moment as a window of opportunity so God will draw near to us. We're drawing near to Him, and all of a sudden, compassion comes. His unfailing love comes. Forgiveness comes. Restoration comes. And we can go on and do all that God's called us to do without all the weight and all the bag- all the. Bag- Right. It's like T.D. Jakes once preached. Do you got junk in your trunk? <laughs> if you do, get rid of it. Amen. Amen. Who's ready for God to manifest forgiveness in your life? Amen. I see that hand, that hand, that hand. Praise God. In Bible college, I learned that grace is getting what you don't deserve and mercy is not getting what you do deserve. Thanks the Lord, He's rich in grace and mercy. And at Yom Kippur, we need to be aware of these things and respond accordingly. Amen? One of the key artifacts at Yom Kippur from the get-go is the uh, Ark of the Covenant. And how many of you know what covers the Ark of the Covenant is called the what? The mercy seed. Give that man a gold star. In Hebrew, it's kaporet, the word kaporet, and it's related to kippur, the Hebrew word kippur, kaporet, kippur, as in Yom Kippur, and so this word kaporet comes from uh, a root word, kafar, which means covering. And so it's not a coincidence that God uses this word kafar. And it's actually, if you go back and study this, that word kafar is the same word that is used uh, to describe the pitch that Noah used to seal the ark so it wouldn't sink. My gosh. What's God showing us? Do you need your life sealed? Do you need the blessing of God sealed? Then you need to cover it. Amen? And you cover it with this spirit of repentance that leads to forgiveness, that leads to transformation. So all of a sudden, you ain't going down to the bottom like the Titanic. You are rising above. You are being elevated from glory to glory and faith to faith. Amen? One of the aspects of Yom Kippur that it's important to notice is out of Leviticus 16, and Pastor will teach on some of this this morning in the main service. But one uh, area that I want to kind of hone in on is Leviticus 16.29. And it says this is all teaching on Yom Kippur, and so God leads Moses to write about something that connects to Yom Kippur in Leviticus sixteen twenty nine. This shall be a statute forever for you, that in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, that's Yom Kippur, you shall afflict your soul. Verse 30, for on that day the priest shall make atonement for you to cleanse you, that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. It is a Sabbath of solemn rest for you, and you shall afflict your souls. It's a statue forever. And the Jews have been keeping that for almost 3,500 years. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ancient wisdom teaches that what this is talking about, this afflicting of the soul, is the Yom Kippur fast. This is the fast of Isaiah 58. This is the fast that will cause your light to rise out of obscurity for the world to see because you're coming before the Lord with a humble and contrite heart and you're asking the Lord to forgive every sin. You're you're feeling remorse for the mistakes that you've made and you're even willing to make amends with people. This is what leads to forgiveness And it leads to a clean heart. And it's a critical part of the gospel. And a lot of times, I mean, you can't, uh, uh, in the charismatic world, it's hard to get into this kind of thing because we just want to hear about the blessing. Well, there is a blessing. Your sins are forgiven. Your heart is clean. No man can accuse you. And if you should fall and should fail, should you stumble, God will pick you back up and He will forgive your sins again and again and again. How many times should we forgive, Lord Jesus? Seven times seventy. Amen. Which basically is unlimited. So yeah, there's, there's a time in our lives where we need to afflict our souls. And that's part of what fasting is meant to do. It's not just going hungry. So I'm going hungry for a purpose here, Lord. I'm afflicting my soul. I am reaching out to you according to your word on fasting and I am willing to deny myself some things as a symbol that I'm not only dedicated to you, but I'm willing to forsake some things. And symbolically, as I forsake the food, I'm forsaking wickedness, sinfulness. I'm forsaking bad thoughts. And on and on and on. So, the spirit of repentance, the spirit of Teshuvah, is part of the Yom Kippur experience, and we don't want to lose that. It's part of the gospel. Paul, in his second letter to the Corinthians, talked about this because he had to deal with some church members that were getting out of line in the wrong spirit and getting involved in the forbidden sexual relationships. E. And Paul called them out on it. Was that condemnation to be called out? No. Well, you can't tell me that. You're condemning me. Uh, No, I think you got that wrong. You're being called out and challenged because you're involved with sin. That means you're in a snare of the enemy and the enemy can do His will in your life and God will be less likely to do His will because you're of the wrong spirit. He admonished them for his ba- their bad behavior, and he called on them to repent. And he said, "You need to return to serving God under His moral standards." Amen. We don't need to go to a television to find out what God's moral standards are. We don't need Netflix to help us on that one. Listen to what Paul writes to the Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians 7. uh, This is the beginning in verse 8. He said, I'm not sorry that I sent you that severe letter. Though I was sorry at first, for I know it was painful to you for a little while. Now I'm glad I sent it. Not because it hurt you, But because the pain, it caused you to repent and change your ways. And it was the kind of sorrow that God wants His people to have. This is Bible. This is the Gospel. So you were not harmed in any way. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow, Paul writes, which lacks repentance, Paul writes, results in spiritual death. If preachers aren't preaching this from time to time, how are people going to know what to do and how to behave? And this is why the church is weak. Right, all of a sudden, we're in the church should be this massive beacon of light in America, while uh, the the other side wants to see us go to hell in a handbasket. Still don't know what that handbasket part means, but right, come on, church, come on, pastors, rise up and deal with some things. In the natural, without God, and without sincere repentance, the stain of sin is permanent. And Christians better wise up on this. Because you can be a Christian, a believer, but not ha- and have unconfessed sin. And that unconfessed sin is going to create problems that will result, as Paul said, in spiritual death. Now, I don't know if it's once saved, always saved, or I don't know how all of this gets worked out when the last trump sounds. But my advice is don't take a chance. Well, if I just watch this stuff, if I just sneak around and do that stuff, if I uh, 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 just go off all the time with a spirit of anger, with a spirit of this, with a spirit of that, you know... I lean to the once saved, always saved. I ain't taking no chances. When the devil comes and tempts me to try to do something stupid, who doesn't get that temptation? We're all tempted to do something stupid, right? I just, I'm not going to blow it and ruin my testimony and, and put myself and my salvation in some kind of jeopardy. Just because you thought it, it isn't a sin. It's when you act on it. So we need to be strong in the Lord. And we need to realize the stain of sin is not permanent if we come to the Lord with the right kind of spirit. Amen? Amen? And that's when true repentance removes the stain of sin. And though our sins may be as scarlet, what happens? He'll make them as white as snow. Praise God. Another favorite psalm of mine is Psalm 103. How many of you uh, know what I'm talking about here? And uh, we're reminded to uh, remember the benefits of serving the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and remember all of His benefits. Who forgives us of all of our sins? And then it goes on from there. But uh, if you go further into that psalm, into verse 8, it says, and it teaches us a little bit more about repentance, it says, "...the Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love." What a gracious God we serve. "...He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever." He does not punish us for all of our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For His unfailing love towards those who fear Him is as great as the height of heaven is above the earth. And He has removed our sins how far? Far as the east is from the west. This is what repentance does it releases this benefit that's described in Psalm 103. Why can good Christian people still be tormented? Why can good Christian people who have been coming to church, who have been listening to sermons, who lift up their hands and praise the Lord, and perhaps do it faithfully, still be stuck in a rut? Probably because there's something they need to get out of their lives that's blocking their progress. A family curse, something that was done to you, something that you did, something that was spoken over you, that's lodged in your spirit, and it's deep-seated, and subconsciously you're responding to that more than you're responding to the Word of God. And God is saying, during Yom Kippur, I'm going to move in a miraculous way, and we're going to pinpoint that. But I need your help, people. I need your help, child of God, to recognize that thing that happened is not just a bad thing that happened it's led to a curse and I bind that curse with your help father remove that from my life in the name and by the blood of Jesus set me free from that so I can go on and fulfill my destiny Amen. praise God so the pro- there's a process of repentance and it begins when we feel an inner conviction for something negative, something hurtful, something sinful that we've done. And it's good to feel accountable. It's good for you and I to know where the line is. And if we've crossed that line, we need to know what to do. If we've crossed that line, you can't just sweep that under the. I forget, I forget, I forget. That's not the godly way. That's not the Bible way. Right? We all come uh, across times in our lives where we mishandle things. Where we might mistreat someone. Where we inadvertently or even blatantly violate the Word of God. God has standards. Nowadays, people want to invent the standard, rewrite the standard, change the standard. The Word is the Word, and it doesn't change. I am the Lord God, and I do not change. And God doesn't say that uh, if you sin, there's no remedy for it. But there is no remedy if it's unconfessed. What's the remedy for unconfessed sin? Spiritual death. Things don't work out. How come all these promises aren't manifesting? Because there's something going on behind the scenes, and you might not even be aware of it. And that's why during Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah, it's a time to judge ourselves. Holy Spirit, I open up my heart, and I ask You to come in and show me areas that I need to improve in, areas I need to repent of. If we don't do that, you're in danger of uh, developing a hard heart. Amen? We need godly sorrow, godly regret, godly remorse from time to time. And that means that there's a sensitivity, right? There's a sensitivity, like during a praise and, or now, or like during praise and worship. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit might point something out, and if you just keep on singing, <laughs> you might miss your moment. How many of you love the feeling of missing your moment, lost opportunity? Don't let that be you. Amen. And don't confuse conviction. With condemnation. In Christ there's no condemnation, but there is conviction. And sometimes it's okay to feel guilty. Because when you're convicted, it's because you're guilty. (laughs) Right? And you might even need to feel a little shame. What's happened to shame in America today? People don't even feel ashamed anymore. They just do any old crazy thing with no shame. Not for the Christian. That's not our model. The right way to respond is with a sincere commitment that, you know what? Holy Spirit, help me and I partner with you to change my behavior. I'm resolving to become better. That's true repentance. There's fruits of repentance John the Baptist preached. And it's just resolving that, you know what? I'm going to handle that situation or this kind of thing or what I had done in the past in a more godly, righteous way. It's like saying, Father, please forgive me. I don't want to be like this anymore. I've made that mistake too many times and this Yom Kippur, I'm pledging to make a change and I thank you for the power of the Spirit, the power of the blood to help me transform my life. Amen? Amen. And you can just ad-lib from there. And you know what? The, the beauty of it is, is what it says in 1 John one nine that if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How many of you like that? Amen. Amen. So this is fundamentally uh, part of the Yom Kippur message. And uh, as we realize God is good, He's not trying to punish us. He's trying to get rid of the stain of sin. The bondage that comes with sin. All the troubles that come so that we can have a clean slate and go into the new year Amen. Uh, raring to go. Let's do something for God. Let's let's uh, advance the kingdom. Let's be transformed. That's atonement, at atonement with God. And so we thank God for it. Now, as we close in these last uh, few moments, um, I want to lead us in a special prayer that our Jewish brothers and sisters pray during the high holidays. It's called Ave Nu Malkeinu, Our Father, Our King. And I'm going to read that. You just enter in from where you're at and let the Holy Spirit do His work. Amen. Our Father, Our King. Praise God. Our Father, Our King, deal with us kindly for the sake of Thy name. Our Father, our King, renew unto us a year of good. Our Father, our King, annul every evil decree against us. Our Father, our King, frustrate the counsel of our enemies. Our Father, our King, destroy the power of every oppressor and adversary. Hallelujah. Our Father, our King, silence the mouths of our adversaries and those who accuse us falsely. Our Father, our King, remove pestilence, sword, famine, captivity, destruction, and plague from the children who obey thy covenant. Our Father, our King, withhold the plague from thy people. Our Father, our King, forgive and pardon our iniquities. Our Father, our King, blot out our transgressions and cause our sins to pass away from before Thee. Hallelujah. Our Father, our King, inscribe us in the book of a happy life. Our Father, our King, inscribe us in the book of freedom and salvation. Our Father, our King, inscribe us in the book of sustenance. Our Father, our King, inscribe us for a meritorious life. Our Father, our King, inscribe us in the book of forgiveness and reconciliation. Amen and amen.